Let me go to the Dude Maker hotline here on StreamYard and say hello to our old friend and uh, um, one of the good guys out there doing the journalism work that others will not do, Don Jeffries. Um, Don, good morning to you. How are you? Oh, hang on, Don. Uh, <laughs> hold on. Operator error. And now. Okay, Don. Ah, well, it's great, great to be with you again, Mike. Thank you very much. So, um, you heard what I was just talking about. I'm not sure where you actually live in the U.S., but um, you do a lot of reporting. Are you reporting on other uh, other localities that are dealing with what amounts to the worst border crisis in the uh, in the history of the U.S., maybe in the Western world? Well, I'm in the uh, Washington, D.C. suburbs. I'm right outside the swamp. I can smell it from here. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I write a lot about the uh, border, but I mean, I've been writing about it for decades, and this is... This is not anything new. I mean, that horse left the barn a long, long time ago, and uh, this is the, this is the result. This is the end results of decades of just the most uh, inexplicable immigration policy the the free world has ever seen. And now under Biden, it's just uh, you know there there is no policy. There is no there's we're in effect we stop being a sovereign nation because they're literally when you have the immigration authorities uh, assisting people. And coming across without going through the immigration process, we have assisting them in breaking the law, and trying to penalize those who are doing it. You know, years ago you had the uh, the Minutemen or whatever the group was that tried to do it. And you remember what happened to them? They were driven out of business. I think some of them were arrested. And you have uh, now you have the Supreme Court of the United States, Trump's Supreme Court, supposedly a conservative majority Supreme Court, ruling that uh, you that Texas can't even put up relatively worthless barbed wire fence. I don't think that's going to stop too many. On, on just a very uh, small area of it. So they, they don't want anything done. This is open borders. And uh, we just have to accept the fact that the, the United States government for decades now under both parties has wanted this country to be flooded with uh, for various reasons. One, obviously, for cheap labor and uh, to kill. And they have killed largely a lot of the so-called unskilled workers in the blue class, in the blue collar class. And uh, now, more importantly, we're seeing that this is part of the Great Replacement because all of these people are non-white. And this is what the Great Replacement is all about. Yeah, um, there was a, a clip going around the other day. Uh, speaking of the Great Replacement, uh, it was a clip from 20, uh, uh, 2018 that had then citizen Biden, uh, and he was talking with someone about how in a mere uh, 10 years, the United States would go from being a majority white country to a majority minority part a country, and that he was proud. He was proud. I know what it was. He was he was with Obama. He, he was proud that they had aided and assisted in that, and that migration from being a majority white country to majority minority country was a good thing. Yeah, well, that and that's been the that's that you in more recent years you had. Uh, uh, Jimmy Fallon, that ridiculous talk show host, just brought up the story about how, uh, you know, in whatever year they're claiming America will be in a majority uh, non-white country. And the audience just cheered like he had announced the cure for cancer or something. And uh, I'm sure the audience was 97 percent white. Yep. And you see it. And, you know, back in the day, Bill Clinton had said something about this again, very proudly. Uh, how, you know, the future is going to be non-white. And again, it's what his largely white audience here. So th and this is the problem. The people, the immigrants aren't doing this themselves. I mean, they're not setting the policy. And, you know, you're talking about, uh, I saw a story last night about uh, 
in, uh, I guess it's in Massachusetts where the absolutely insane uh, governor up there is, uh, you know, basically suggesting, I mean, eventually, I guess it'll be a, a mandate that people and people means, of course, nobody in the one percent take migrants into their homes. And of course, suitably, they showed a typical white liberal female, you know, empty headed idiot that's responsible for all this stuff with their horrible voting. Uh, that is it took uh, some Haitians in and was proudly talking about how great it is. And no one again, no one, you know, Haiti's not right around the corner. Right. How do, they, how do these desperately poor people, where do they get the budget to travel? Same thing from Africa is even worse. Nobody questions where these, okay, it's one thing to say they're coming from Mexico, but a lot of these people are coming from much farther off uh, spots in the world. They Obviously, they supposedly have no money because that's why they're coming here for a better life. They, have, they haven't been in America 2.0 very yet. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they don't know. I don't know kind of, I guess maybe it's better than what they're coming from, but that's the problem is they may be, uh, elevating their living standards slightly, but their presence is is lowering all our living standards, and that's the idea. They want us to get accustomed to living on a lower standard, to eventually you know eating bugs, uh, eventually living in bunk beds like they do in China. This is what they want you to do. That's why they constantly counsel. That's why when they talk about climate change, they don't talk about the BP oil spill. They don't talk about East Palestine, Ohio. They don't talk about Fukushima. They don't care about the environment. It's got nothing to do with climate change is you not driving a car, not taking hot showers. They, they want you to get used to, hey, you know, we're going to tell you what to do. It's going to be like China. You know, you'll work 15 hours a day for nothing, and then you'll go home to your little bunk bed. And eat bugs, I guess. I mean, that, and again, Americans are just placidly accepting this, and it's just—it's amazing. It all—it all happened with their acquiescence. Now, there's a lot of this that we talk about here on the show, Don. Uh, uh, let me mention something to you that I know that you know about, and that is you mentioned the Haitian woman. Okay, so there's this bougie liberal white woman, basically boasting and bragging that she has now purchased a slave. But it didn't cost her anything. All she had to do was sign on the dotted line with the state, and now she has a live-in maid. She has a live-in chef. But remember, Haiti, the Clinton Global Initiative is still in Haiti, still distributing God knows how many tens of millions of dollars that they get per year that is that funded out to NGOs, non-government organizations. And the people of Haiti remain the poorest in all the Caribbean. You go to the Dominican Republic, it looks like New York City. It's the other side of the island from Haiti, for heaven's sake. You know, Dominican Republic, wealthy, exact same island, same resources, Haiti impoverished. Why? Because the global initiative, all the rest of them, the NGOs, the people that are in charge, want those people poor need they don't want they need them to be poor absolutely they need poor and that's that's again that's the reason why i mean there's there is a racial element to it because there is a great replacement they i guess they think non-whites are easier to control i don't know but there's there's unquestionably uh that aspect but they also want the desperately poor people to come here because they'll be satisfied with the crumbs that they give them. And they want us, this is what banana republics do. That's why I call us the world's wealthiest banana republic now is because uh, it's basically a, a top elite that has, you know, unimaginable wealth and everyone else is a peasant. And that's what they're doing. They're destroying, they're squeezing out what's left of the middle class. My, my generation is probably going to be the last generation where you had a, you know, a halfway thriving middle class. 
I mean, those of us on Social Security and so forth, we're, we're hanging on by our fingernails to what's left of it, but we're being squeezed out. You have the managerial class at the top. There's about 20% of them, and they're doing very well, and they're the ones that tell you, oh, jobs are out there, there's hope wanted signs everywhere, and just castigate you for not doing anything, call you snowflakes and everything. And then there's a huge amount of growing at the bottom of our own homeless that they do nothing about. And, and the, the point has been made is that why didn't the mayor of Mass, uh, governor of Massachusetts or anywhere else, why haven't they asked citizens to take American citizens who are homeless into their home? You know, no, there's no decree about that. There's no suggestion. Hey, what, why don't you take a homeless guy into your home? They, they, they would never suggest that because this is not about, this is about, again, destroying what's left of American culture. Just, I mean, could anything, think of a more irresponsible suggestion for an elected official in a state that people apparently voted in and will probably vote in again, like that white woman that took the Haitians in, who are telling you to enable what is law-breaking and bring people into your home who you literally have nothing in common with and you don't speak the same language. You talk about a recipe for disaster, you know nothing about them. My God, they're probably not vaccinated, but that doesn't matter (laughs) with migrants. That only matters with American citizens. It doesn't matter. You can have any leprosy, anything, bring it on. Leprosy. You know, they don't care. And put them in your home and just put put your family subject. There's going to be no communication. As you mentioned, you'll have a chef maybe and a housekeeper, and that's what's important. Uh, and, uh, I'm on the uh, StreamYard Maker Hotline with my friend, the journalist um, and author, Donald Jeffries. Don Jeffries is at uh, donaldjeffries.substack.com. Don, let me, uh, let's talk about what I uh, had read that you wrote the other day. And about some of your recent articles here that are still very timely. Let's talk about Tucker Carlson and Vladimir Putin for a moment here. So you wrote a piece on your Substack about why Carlson's interview might be the most important interview with the millennia. Can you explain that? Well, I don't know if that's the, but it, but it, it's uh, what I was trying to say is that in the alt media, a lot of, and a lot of people that I know well and, and supporters of mine. Uh, they think I, you know, they don't trust anyone. And I, as I've tried to say, I, I, I know what Tucker Carlson's history is. I know his father ran the Voice of America, and I know what he was up until a few years ago. All I tell is, look, when he, he, I agree with like 90 plus percent of what he says. I don't know what his, maybe his motivation is suspect. It could easily be. He could easily be a plant or whatever. But I, I don't understand the tendency of the alt media, and that was what the article is about. To focus on Tucker Carlson and Alex Jones and Elon Musk and all these people who, again, may all be phony and may all be working for the the intelligence agency. I don't know. But they're saying the things that are closest to what we're saying. So I don't understand. I said, you know, why Tucker Carlson, sure, his father ran the Voice of America. But uh, Joe Scarborough was a congressman who wound up with a a young, dead, hot woman in, in his office with a head wound that they brushed under the, I mean, that's a lot more serious than having a father that's a, a, a Voice of America director. I don't hear anybody questioning in the alt media. They never talk about Joe Scarborough or Joy Reid or any of these awful Rachel Maddow, these people that are wrong on everything, that never say anything that makes any sense, that hate free speech, that hate the hate everything the founders stood for. when they. they, they so why don't we talk about them? That's just ignored. It's what I've seen, as I said, for years in the JFK assassination research community where the same thing happens with that dysfunctional community going after conspiracy friendly witnesses and trying to destroy their credibility while ignoring anything that the Warren Commission used or whatever. They don't even go after those witnesses, the, the most ridiculous witnesses in the world. Same thing we see here. So, yeah, I, you know, people think, oh, you're 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 naive. Maybe I am. I'm just telling you when I. When I look at it, when I look at Tucker Carlson, I know his background. 
he's saying things. I mean, he came on on Fox News and said the government killed JFK. I've been researching this in JFK since I was a teenager, working for Mark Lane in, in the mid-1970s. There's never been anyone on television, any journalist ever, and oh, he's not a journalist. Well, whatever. They're none of them are journalists now, but why is it just him? You think the people, you think Joy Reid and the, the women on The View are journalists? And yet, I don't hear anybody talk about them. It's oh, Tucker Carlson's not a journalist. Well, maybe not, but he's putting out uh, sound bites that that support what we're saying. Okay, you can say he's a, a disinfo agent and he's a limited hangout, but it, he, at least that limited is better what we're getting anywhere else. But so that that was my point is that I don't understand why we kind of same thing with Putin. There, there was a lot of criticism about Putin, and again, Putin everything he says if he's being translated correctly he sounds better than most of our politicians. So I, I don't know. I, I understand he worked for the KGB, and I understand the interview is full of kind of softball questions. But as I pointed out, what what interview has been conducted ever? Go back to when the New York Times and CBS News introduced Fidel, uh, interviewed Fidel Castro back when they were enthralled with him, you know, in the 1950s. Do you, do you think those interviews were, were harder than what Tucker Carlson did with Vladimir Putin? This is the way uh, the media, American media, always interviews foreign leaders. They don't go and start prodding a foreign leader like they're trying to start a war. I mean, that would be irresponsible. But I don't, so I don't know. I don't know what they wanted out of Carlson. So, yeah, it looks like I'm coming to his defense, and, and maybe I am. I just don't understand why we go after the, the you know the, the voice that you know the few people that are giving us any kind of hope to break through to bigger platforms well here's what i would say about uh, a couple of things number one you mentioned joe scarborough and the dead woman in his office and he was a member of congress true uh who's joe scarborough married to now the daughter of the big new brzezinski this is a for you want to talk about former kgb you're talking about a former red soviet commie this is his daughter, and no one goes like, well, how come Mika is on OMSNBC? You're worried about Tucker, but you're not worried about Mika Brzezinski, who is now Mika, Mika Brzezinski Scarborough. That's one thing. Uh, let me go to, to, to another thing about what you said uh, about Tucker and uh, the, uh, the Voice of America and uh, the Kennedy assassination. You know— it, most people won't know this unless they read your books or other books or they do a little research into this. Uh, when you start talking about who killed John Fitzgerald Kennedy and the JFK assassination here, you wouldn't even know that it was, okay, it was one of the, the one of history's proven, proven bad guys, the man that was at the top of the chain, the Time Life books, that found out there was a Zapruder film and went and bought it from Abraham Zapruder. Now, why did he do that? Now, it, it, there was a caveat. And when Zapruder was dying, I actually read this from you. When Zapruder was dying, he pleaded with Luce, can I have a copy of my film from my family? Now, the Zapruder film, no one even knew it existed until Geraldo Rivera played it on ABC News. What was it, 1977? 75, yeah. 75. Yeah. So, so for... So add, add the years up. So for, what, 13 years, 11 years, the American public never saw what actually happened to President Kennedy. Never, right. never saw. Yeah, and, and this is time life at the time. Henry Booth Luce was uh, the, the head of uh, well, Life magazine. Actually, they hadn't merged yet, but Life magazine was the biggest magazine in America. It was... Uh, right on par with ABC, CBS, and NBC, uh, for them to take, uh, that should have been a coup, because in one of the things I've talked about, JFK assassination forever, I focus on the fact that there was no professional news coverage of the assassination, because they put the press car 
six or seven buses back. That's why when you see the initial coverage of it, you see the jiggling camera because they're running out of the bus. Every other time JFK had a motorcade, they would put the press car right in front of the limousine so it was trained on his beautiful, handsome face and his thick head of hair. And he's waving to the crowd. Not that day. Uh, so that's very suspect to begin with. So you had to depend on home videos and uh, Zapruder's is the most uh, famous. So for them to bury that evidence that I understand they didn't show those things necessarily uh, in public in those days with the, with the gruesome head one. But uh, certainly it should have been available in books and researches and so forth for this. So for life to to pay what we found out was later a much larger amount than was reported to Zapruder, they made them very wealthy and later they got more money. But to su- suppress that, as you noted, for 12 years, uh, is it, again, it's, it speaks to the lie that we have a free press because the competitive press, Life Magazine, would have had a coup and said, hey, come look exclusive, exclusive video. No one else has this. See the JFK assassination in living color. They never did that. And uh, that was, you know, again, very much telling the, 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 the mainstream media was pretty much born on November 22nd, 1963, the modern media, because that's when you started, you know, video footage of everything and remote reporters like a young Dan Rather, who was who got his start lying in Dallas and got on TV and breathlessly told people when no one seen the Zapruder film about JFK's head moving forward when we know it goes backwards. Uh, so these kind of things. And of course, he was rewarded by having a long career on air where he, he propped up the state. And that's all they do now. And uh, so we, that's why, you know, I don't, we can't forget these events, uh, you know, 60 years ago, because that, that paved the way for so much that we see today. So it, it eventually it's like the border being open. Uh, you can see where it's leading. It's just a logical conclusion where we are now. Same thing with you, that kind of reporting in 1963 leads to where we are now. It was never corrected. It was never acknowledged. And we have people like us clinging to the platforms we have, which is, again, the bring us back around to Tucker Carlson why I like to reach out to those guys if possible, because that's our only hope, maybe to get a bigger platform, try to wake up some of the people, because everybody listening to your show, everybody that reads me or, or listens to my show, we're preaching to the choir. Sure. You know, we, have to, we have to try to get some of those people that are asleep, and that's not easy to do, but you, you can only get them through uh, the bigger platforms. Now, let me just uh, bring, uh, bring this up, Don, uh, with Don Jeffries here. Don, uh, DonaldJeffries.substack.com. You should go and sign up for that Substack today. Uh, on those subjects, land of spooks and shills and sheeple. This is a subject that is near, dear, and sore uh, amongst uh, uh, the people that listen to this radio show and interact in our chat rooms and our signal groups here. So uh, I will tread as lightly as I can <laughs> with, with the subject matter, and that's this. And I tell people, all of your alt media is not to be trusted. There are there, 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 and, and there are things that you can look for that would kind of tip you off. Uh, like, for example, and I have a friend of mine who, who texted me right before you came on. He goes, ask Jeffries about Stewie Peters. And I went, I'll ask him about it. But I've already told people, I'm like, I think Stu Peters is just, uh, he is a snake oil revival tent preaching huckster. The whole snake venom in the water thing should have cleansed all of you people. Now, does that mean that like a blind squirrel, he's you know, crawling around on the floor and, oh, hey, there's an acorn. Yeah. Does he hit one every now and then? Yes. I don't know if he's bought and paid for to be 
uh, to be compromised. Or maybe it is that he just is too lazy to actually do some of the research or to back up what, what he says. Um, and I'm not picking on Stewie because I know a lot of you like Stu Peters. Um, but there are literally thousands of Stu Peters out there. For every Stu Peters that you give $5 to, that's five less that Don and Mike got. And I put my name on my work. And if I, if every, anything ever needs to be retracted, I'll do the damn retracting. No one is going to come and hit job me and say that I got something wrong and I lied to you because I take my ethics and my responsibility on these radio airways. I take them seriously, John, as I know you do. So I think that's what your piece is about. Yeah, no, it is. And I, I purposely don't name. I mean, there, there are other people that I would be suspicious of. But Stu Peters is, again, he's, he's got a big audience and uh, he says uh, the, the stuff that most of us would agree with most of the time. But he's one of many that I tried to reach out to because he, I think he knows who I am. I mean, we've had a mutual guests before, you know, the people have been on his show, have been on my show. Uh, they lower themselves to come onto a smaller platform with me, but uh, he. Most of these people, they don't answer. You know, when I, I try to uh, to like, I wanted to tell them about masking the truth, which I, is is the most shadow banned book in the world. How COVID nineteen destroyed civil liberties and shut down the world. That you know, I, I, the alt media should have. This is the book they should have been waiting for. Stu Peters, all these people have talked about the book. Now, I did, uh, fortunately, uh, Harrison Smith, who I think is the best thing about InfoWars now, he had me on there to discuss uh, the book, so that was nice. But InfoWars still never bought uh, the book. Like They bought hundreds of copies of my book, Hidden History. They thought they were going to. They still haven't. Uh, so that's that's the, that's what I question. Is it because Why is it because I'm not well-known enough? I don't have enough followers? Nobody else wrote a book like mine. Sherry Tenpenny wrote the foreword. She's well-known in the community. People like Alex Jones have had her on his show many times. Stu Peters, if he hasn't had her on, would be certainly welcome with open arms. I don't understand uh, why they, and I get it all the time. I, there's so many of these people I've been trying to contact to be on my show. And I'll see like uh, YouTubers that have a million subscribers that I, I'd never heard of. And if you, if you, all these people, Stu Peters, any of these names, and that, Alex Jones is probably the only one now that's pretty much universally known. But you ask 100 people on the street who Stu Peters is. And you're not going to get any more responses than you ask him who Mike Church is. I mean, they're 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 very they're renowned in their in their own little niche world. And they're not famous beyond that at all. And that's what a lot of these people. Luke Rakowski is another one who I admire his work very much for We Are Changed, but he he ignores my emails over the years. I'd love to have him on. Now he's Tim Pool's uh, Ed McMahon, and Ted McPool's another <laughs> one. I, I I don't understand how Tim Pool got because the guy has you know he's he he's not entertaining like alex jones is how you know what so i i do again i can't prove it i and if tim pool asked me on the show i'd be happy to go on there and be uh, respectful to him same thing with Stu peters any of these people but i do question it i question because i look you look at alex jones and you know why he's successful regardless what you think of he's a real entertainer he's funny as hell most of these guys aren't and Most of these guys, you know, let's go ahead, sir. And that's uh, that's El Rushbo's rule. And I, t I tell my audience often, <laughs> let me remind you of the three E's, my friends. Uh, my job today is to E, E, and E. And they go, energize, uh, execute it. No, no, entertain, entertain, entertain. At the end of the day. I'm going to give you some truth while I'm doing it. Now that we're going to run out of time, so I want to ask a, a, a follow-up question here with you about, uh, uh, let's go back to the Putin interview. You're very well informed. You're very well researched, and you're very uh, you're you're very well written, Don. The history that Putin gave to Carlson 
from what I know of Russian history, was about a, as ac- accurate as you could deliver it. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what little I know. I mean, I, I guess he didn't. I, I've heard some people when I talked about it, they they reminded me in subsect. Well, he glossed over the Bolsheviks and all that stuff. Well, if you told the truth about the Bolsheviks, he'd have to talk about American capital capitalism financing, and I have a lot more about that in my upcoming book, The American Memory Hole. I mean, it was Wilson financed it. Well, absolutely, but you had big industry, and you you yes. had people over there cheering it on. These are bank presidents and uh, people, chairman of big corporations, and the names will be in my book. But it's it's a joke to think this is. And of course, the Russian Revolution was almost involved almost no native Russians, so it was <laughs> wasn't much, it wasn't much of a of a you know a grassroots thing. Do you, and most people wouldn't know. I just give you one little factoid, audience. Most people would not know that Vladimir Lenin was like. What's the, uh, um, they kick you out, uh, not banned. Um, you get, you get, you get exported, extradited. What? Exiled, exiled. Ex- exiled. Vladimir, mm-hmm. Vladimir Lenin was exiled. He was in Germany, broke. He didn't have an army. He had right. nothing. He had lost. They were, the, the Bolsheviks were beaten, were, were being beaten by the Mansheviks. Most people right. don't know that. You know how he got back in? Wilson gave him the equivalent of $650 million so that he, and then he even even colluded with the Krauts to put him on the train to smuggle him back into Russia. Absolutely. And you have Trotsky, whose real name was Lev Bronstein, who was living in New York City. And I go into his background a little bit in this one, where he supposedly had a came from a poor family, but they had witnesses talking about how the family was driven around by chauffeurs all the time. So these there there money behind all the and of course he ends up with an ice pick in his head later, like a lot of these guys do. So uh this <laughs> this is real history and people they, they gloss over it and so uh yeah, I mean, uh, so I wouldn't expect Putin necessarily. He did kind of gloss over the Soviet period. He did. But yeah, the, the ancient Russian period, yeah, he. I, I assume it was right. I don't know, but it's, he sounded, again, he just, to me, he sounded much better read and much more better informed than uh, certainly any of our political leaders. Okay, final question. Let me ask you, why are you a Trump agnostic? <laughs> well, because, again, I, I, I still... He doesn't have a lot of great rhetoric anymore other than what he's name-calling and everything, people that deserved, I guess, to be chastised. But uh, I, I fell for his rhetoric in, rhetoric in 2016, and a lot of it sounded great. Voted for him, and uh, if he had done what he said he was going to do about the border, we wouldn't be talking about this now. If he had deported millions, which he needed to do, if he had signed the executive order banning birthright citizenship, which he never tried to do, if he ended DACA, which he could have done with the stroke of the pen, the way Obama created it, ended sanctuary cities, all the things he said he was going to do let alone build his wall. If he'd brought the troops home from the 150 countries around the world and stationed them on the border, which is how you solve this crisis, but they don't want to solve it, yep. then, then I wouldn't have been a Trump agnostic. But the problem is he was all talk and no action, all hat and no cattle. He tweeted all the time and kept saying he was going to do things and didn't do them. But on the other hand, he has he has all the right enemies aligned against him. <laughs> so that's why that's why I get I get you know called a Trump supporter and a Trump hater because I, I hate, obviously, I'm opposed to all, pretty much all the people that hate him. And uh, so that makes me look like I support him, but I'm very critical of him. And in the book I'm writing now, which I don't know what it's going to be called, I, I tackle the Trump stuff. And uh, it's just fascinating. 
to go back and look at it all. I mean, yeah, he was, and he's still being attacked. I, I defend him, the fact that he's being, some, what I say, symbolically prosecuted for all these ridiculous non-crimes. So again, people, oh, you must be a supporter of Trump. No, I, 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 am, I straddle the fence on it because I think he, I call him, I call it the Trumpetstein project. I think he was inserted into the, into politics to divide the country and. This country is divided down the middle. Right now, if they, if they came up with a, with a national referendum, hey, Trump should be executed because he's the worst guy in the his, <laughs> history of the world. You would have millions of people that would vote for it. Sure. And that's, that's where we stand. If, if Hitler was alive today and ran against Donald Trump, those people would vote for Hitler over Trump. Okay, the deep state tried to take uh, Trump out in 2016 with the FBI, CIA, and collusion with other foreign uh, governments. We now know this. Uh, this story is emerging. Schellenberger and Taibbi, who are decent journalists, are out there reporting on this. So we'll have to catch up, and I, you'll probably write about that one in the near future. But let me ask you about the American loneliness phenomenon. So on today's show, I talked about this. I'm like, okay, I'm driving down Highway 1. It's a two-lane uh, yellow striped highway. I'm at 55 miles an hour. Quarter mile up ahead, Don Jeffries is coming at me at 55 miles an hour. There's a, a little thin yellow dotted line that separates us. Why am I not terrified that Donald Jeffries is going to kill me? It's going to run away. 55 and 55 is 110. Everybody dies. Well, I right. trust. You have to have you, you have no civilization if you don't have trust. Right. And so, right. so you're on the highway and you you there's a there's there there's trust. We are losing all all this cynicism. We are losing all trust in all civic institutions. People are cheering for this. I don't think they should be because you're not going to like it when no one can be trusted. I didn't get a chance to read the American loneliness phenomenon, but are you hitting on this issue of trust and people are just separating themselves because they just don't they don't they don't believe anyone. Well, that's that's a little bit more with what my new article was written because that that's the thing is that how, how do you find trust? But the American loneliness phenomenon, I, I wrote it a long time ago. I pinned it on my page because I, I I think it's one of the best things I've ever written. I think it's it's different. Nobody okay. else talks about it, and it talks about the phenomenon of people living alone, of, of dysfunctional people, adult children. I'm going to have a show in the future about just people I know whose adult children are inexplicably broken from them. It's parental alienation, and uh, on the other hand, you have some parents who. Uh, have discarded their adult children who they don't think, uh, you know, they think are derelicts or whatever. We ha well, You didn't used to have this phenomenon. I have the statistics in the article about how many people used to live by themselves. In the old, in the old days, 100 years ago, uh, people took in relatives that were eccentric and never got married you know uncle you know uncle buzz or whatever come and live with us and yeah he's eccentric but you got to put up with him kids shut up you know that that's what that's what people did in those days now uncle buzz is you know living in a, you know, a tent he can't get a job but he can't his family's and, and there's so many people like that there are all the incels out there that can't get women especially today to to show an interest in them so they never marry and you have all the women out there who don't want anything to do with men who buy into the career things. And you see their videos on, on uh, YouTube and elsewhere of them crying hysterically in the 40s and 50s. And they, they made a mistake. They're living with their cats. So this is the American loneliness phenomenon. It, it's, it's, it is a part of trust. It's not trusting the people that are closest to you, your family. So uh, I, I just think that's an important part of the equation is that we can't just I've seen it in my family where it's the dysfunction over Trump or, or vaccines. You know, either way, in my family, you know, we're, we're the black sheep, my kids and I, because we haven't gotten uh, vaccinated. We were banned from going to one of the nieces' weddings. So it causes those kinds of rifts 
in families. And that didn't happen in the past. There was no political issue. I don't think people would have been, you know, at war with each other back in the 20s where, you know, if you if you supported Al Smith over Calvin Coolidge or something, uh, <laughs> that, you know, that I'm never going to talk to you again. That never happened before Trump. And so uh, we're in very dark times. And I, I think that the American loneliness phenomenon is a real thing. And I'm sure everybody knows someone like that. Yeah, I uh, I know people. <laughs> it's happened in my family as well. And uh, I, I also think that um, n- n- social media has obviously uh, agitated this. I, I don't know if you've seen this, but I, I, I want you to watch a film, and you and I should talk about this. The guy's name is Robbie Starbuck and his wife, and they have a film called The War on Children. This is really good. I watched the first 20 minutes the other day. I can't wait to get back to it. Very well done. Guys of extraordinarily talented talented filmmaker. Um, he's good on camera. And the things he, he's going out there, now, so this, I have some hope for the future because he's interviewing all these 16 to 20-year-olds. And, and, and Memphis is one of the places that he went. He went to Memphis, he went to Austin. And he's asking him, is social media, what, what's more dangerous? I can't remember what the exact question was, but the choice was between, I think it was drugs or social media. And they went, so all of them got social media, social media, social media. So the kids, I can tell you that my 27-year-old daughter doesn't have any anymore, and she had all of them three years ago. She closed all of them down. She goes, Dad. They were just making me miserable, and I just, I, they were giving me anxiety, and so I just left them all. So I think that the young generation is actually starting to see that they are being deliberately poisoned. Yeah, I hope so, but uh, it's, and it's a shame because, again, they take these, these fan, this fantastic technology, which should be a boon and should make things, I mean, look at, the technology is letting us talk to each other and it's letting people that, I mean, most of my best friends now are people I've never met. They're all over the world. Those are, I mean, my real life friends that have nothing to do with me. They canceled me a long time ago. My family does too. My son's the only one in my family has any interest in my work at all. And so, uh, but fortunately I have people all over the world that I hear from every day that tell me great things and keep me going. Because if I had, if I didn't have this internet, I, I wouldn't hear from these people. I don't think they'd send me snail mail letters. So uh, I, I would think that I'm not making any kind of impact at all. And you know, everybody, nobody, all the people I love around me, they won't even acknowledge what I'm doing. So I, I would have given up. So th- thank you. This, this is a great, uh, we have a great potential here. And until social media, the internet looked like the hope of the world because they weren't able to censor it. They weren't able to stop us from saying these things. Thanks to social media, now they are because everyone depends on it. And those guys can come and censor the platforms and shadow ban people like me. I mean, masking the truth. Uh, it recently, is Bar- Barnes & Noble just took it off its website. It's not there anymore. And they have, they won't even answer us. Well, we don't know, you know. Don, we're out of time. Uh, I always love having you on. I'll get, get back to you sooner rather than later this year. Read Don's uh, Substack at donaldjeffries.substack.com. Uh, and where's the site where they can get your books? Well, I mean, you, you can go anywhere. I don't I don't mind you buying an Amazon. I tell you to, to look for and, and Amazon does still have Masking the Truth. They block people from writing reviews usually, but uh, you know, they don't put the reviews <laughs> up. But, but they do. Uh, they do at least have the book there. But it, well, I just look for if you Google me or search for me and search for whatever book you're in or all my books, you'll find them out there. And I, I just tell people to take the best deal they can because they, but to be honest, they give writers such peanuts in terms of royalties that it doesn't matter. Get the best deal. OK, thank you very much. DonaldJeffries.substack.com. Always good to talk to you, my friend. We'll talk soon. Keep up the great work. 
And I follow Thanks, you. Man. I follow your work. So you, well, another... I appreciate it. I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's always great talking with you. Okay, Don. Thank you very much. It's Don Jeffries, everybody. And uh, you can follow him at donjeffries.substack.com. That it doesn't matter. Get the best deal. Okay. Thank you very much. DonaldJeffries.substack.com. Always good to talk to you, my friend. We'll talk soon. Keep up the great work. And I follow Thanks, you. Man. I follow your work. So you, another... well, I appreciate it. I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's always great talking with you. Okay, Don. Thank you very much. It's Don Jeffries, everybody. And uh, you can follow him at DonJeffries.substack.com.